like when uh, Krishna appears and then he disappears. You're always hankering, hankering. So if you just get out there, you do a little something, you experience that, that taste. You're listening to Sankirtan On, where by giving, we grow. Hello, this is Ananda Murray Das, and you're listening to Sankirtan On, where by giving, we grow. This week, we have a very special guest, Her Grace Nidra Devi Dasi, disciple of Srila Prabhupada and longtime book distributor in Denver, Colorado. This week, we hear from her, her realizations and her experiences about this practice of Sankirtan and book distribution. Thank you again for listening. We hope you enjoy. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Mother Nidra. Hare Krishna, Nandamari Prabhu, my obeisances. Jai. Thank you so much for uh, agreeing to to be on the podcast. Um, there's the, the, the real vision behind this podcast is so that the, the joy and the experience that devotees have and that devotees have had and, and that's available still out on Sankirtan is can be broadcasted and so that so many people so many more people can can take part in this experience of Sankirtan and I thought uh, for our second interview what who, who better of a person than to ask you uh, about your experiences with Sankirtan your realizations about Sankirtan um, as well as just any kind of uh, words of wisdom or, or words of advice that you could give to aspiring devotees who are wanting to go on Sankirtan. Thanks. I'm just really uh, happy to be of service. So mm. uh, you can just let me know what direction you want to speak in, me to speak in, and yeah. uh, I can go with that. Okay. Well, for some, for some that don't uh, know, may know who you are. Uh, you've how, how long have you, you? You're serving here in Denver, Colorado, and how long have you been serving here? So I Denver? came here in 1976, around Gorpurnima time. Mm-hmm. And previous to that, I was practicing Krishna consciousness in Canada. Mm. I'm from the States, but I was living in Montreal. I had gone to school there Mm. for graduate school to become a teacher. Mm. And so I was practicing Krishna consciousness in the early 70s in uh, Montreal and also in uh, other parts of um, Quebec, Mm. French Canada. How How did you first come in contact with... Srila Prabhupada and, and, and his books and, and things like that? Well, I first heard a Maha Mantra from the show Hair, mm-hmm. and that was late 60s. And I first saw a picture of Srila Prabhupada in Life magazine. Mm-hmm. It probably was 1967, the year of the guru. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, then I first really started engaging in chanting Hare Krishna after I heard George Harrison's album where he had My Sweet Lord. And so I used to uh, chant Hare Krishna because of that album. Huh. I'd heard the Maha Mantra before, but it was actually George Harrison's album that really inspired me to mm. take it up, mm. you know, and, and chant. So it was, it was kind of hearing it in that presentation from George Harrison that was really uh, what kind of captured your heart at first. And, and then you started just chanting like as Japa or you would sing it or how would you? It was kind of like my own um, Harinam. Yeah. I used to uh, be on the McGill University campus in, in Montreal. That's where you and, went to school. And I went to graduate school there huh. where Bhaktivinoda Thakur yeah. sent his book in 1896. So I used to walk around in between classes or whatever, and I would chant Hare Krishna. I didn't know it was Hare Nam, but that's what I was doing. Wow. Because <laughs> I wasn't really quite sure what to do, but so I thought I'll do it that way. Yeah. So just during the day, chant Hare Krishna. <laughs> wow. And what, would you, what were you studying there at the time? I was uh, getting a teacher's certificate. And I wanted to teach actually in university, but the first job I took was in an elementary school in Mm. in Quebec, Mm. in eastern Quebec. So uh, I got my uh, certificate for teaching there. Mm. Wow. 
although I originally wanted to um, serve in the United Nations mm. with some kind of humanitarian organization. They used to have UNESCO when we were young. I don't know mm. if they still have it. But um, anyway, that was an idea to try to do something to help the world. Mm. And so that never happened. I just wound up teaching. And then later on, I heard how Prabhupada said that ISKCON's the real United Nations. Mm. And then I could see that um, United Nations, you know, they have their lofty ideas, but as Prabhupada said, they're just collecting more and more flags. Mm. So I was really happy that um, Prabhupada explained that we have the real United Nations, because mm. that was my initial idea, yeah. to try to do welfare work for the people of the world yeah. in such an international um, organization. Yeah. But I had no idea at the time it yeah. was a spiritual organization yeah. that I would be able to do that. Yeah, Krishna, Krishna manifested the fulfillment of your full desire to actually do welfare for the whole world. Yeah, I'm very uh, grateful to Srila Prabhupada for that. And when I was first getting um, some literatures, I would um, share them with other people and distribute mm. some of them. So a little bit of that was going on in um, the early 70s as well. Mm. And then before I came here to Denver also, I did uh, purchase a Bhagavad Gita's from the um, 55th Street Temple mm. in New York. Is that the is that the I, I, the story where you approached? There was one brahmachari in Grand Central Station. Yes. Can you tell that story? Yeah, I was in. It's actually in Port Authority, mm. where a lot of devotees like Devi Shakti and different devotees used to distribute. So there was one devotee, and he was a brahmachari. He was in his saffron and his Prabhupada hat. Mm. He was very tall and thin. And he was standing with a BTG held up like he was the Statue of Liberty. And so I saw him, and I had uh, purchased a case of Bhagavad Gita's. Mm. So I, when I saw him, I immediately went up to him and I said, oh, I have these Bhagavad Gita's. I'm going to be distributing these. And uh, I'm so happy that I have them. And he uh, <laughs> he was just kind of amazed, you know, <laughs> that uh, someone would have a whole case of Bhagavad Gita's yeah. while he was distributing back to Godheads. And so what happened was I needed to shop so meantime, I thought, I will leave the Gitas at one of these booths and tables in Port Authority. They have different groups that have tables there. So I asked one gentleman, can I leave um, this box here? And he said, well, yeah, as long as they're not bombs. And so because of you know, different things that were yeah. happening in those days. Yeah. Um, so later on when I heard that Prabhupada called them bombs, yeah. <laughs> I was just laughing because I thought, wow, I really did leave bombs there. <laughs> <laughs> and then I came back after shopping and took the, the Gitas and, mm. and uh, proceeded to um, distribute them to different friends and um, former colleagues and family. Yeah. So that was really nice. What what was your what, what kind of sparked that? I mean, you, you read Srila Prabhupada's books. You, you first got a Gita, I'm assuming, and then you said, "I want to give this to other people." What what was that whole? Uh, do you remember that moment of when you and when you start when you realized that you wanted to share that with people? Well, uh, first I got uh, Sri Ishupanishad and Bhagavad Gita mm. in a bookstore in downtown Montreal mm. because at that time Macmillan. Um, would uh, sell mm. from the bookshops. So I got their last copy. Mm. And prior to that, actually, I had gotten a Back to Godhead from magazine. From a devotee on the street. From a devotee on the McGill campus. Okay. And another devotee in saffron and Prabhupada hat. And to me, he was like extraterrestrial or something. Yeah. He just was otherworldly, yeah. you know. And I only had one quarter, which they did sell the Back to Godhead wow. for in those days. And I felt really bad. I only had one quarter to give yeah. him. But he said, don't worry about it. Just take this and read it. So that was uh, that was really nice to uh, get the Back to Godhead. Yeah. So what really sparked me on um, distributing was um, studying the Gita myself and uh, realizing that, you know, Srila Prabhupada is my spiritual master and this knowledge 
is the absolute truth mm. and it's so um, liberating mm. and it's so important that mm. it needs to be shared you know I'm, I've been given this gift so I really need to share this mm. which was I did actually share with them some of the students um, where I was teaching, you know, not the Godheads or, or other um, books. Actually, the Bhagavad Gita was Art, the main yeah. one okay. that we were sharing, and um, that I didn't do that in the school itself. But um, uh, some of our our teaching colleagues, we had a group, huh. and so I used to share with the um, the group. Okay. Yeah. And, and when you would go out, did did you recognize that this is what Srila Prabhupada had, was wanting from the devotees in his movement? Or was it just this natural thing of like, I just want to give this to other people? And did you realize that other devotees were distributing books like that? And did you ever think to join them? Or what was kind of your perception at that time? Well, because I had gotten that Gita in a bookshop mm. and I hadn't seen uh, them distributing Gitas on the street... I wasn't so much associating um, distributing books, yeah. although I'd seen them with magazines huh. and incense, too. Yeah. They had incense, spiritual sky. Huh. So uh, what it was was just a natural way of wanting to reciprocate, huh. you know, that this knowledge is so important, Prabhupada's given it, and I should reciprocate with other souls because I'm... Uh, appreciating the knowledge and yeah. if I put myself in somebody else's shoes well certainly they would one way or another appreciate it yeah. so I didn't really know about the all the book distribution and things that were going on yeah. this was in 1975? this is the early 70s, early 70s okay. yeah, like 73 or something like that wow, okay. so um, I didn't really know about that yeah. aspect so it was just a kind of a natural thing from yeah. the heart that this needs to be done. You just wanted to share it with people. And then when I came to the temple here, I realized the, the amazing um, push that was going on yeah. um, in the movement for uh, distribution. Yeah. The Harinam, the, the Prashadam, the books. Yeah. Yeah, that's when I really understood what was happening. I, I'm, I'm curious as to because uh, I've, I've been on book distribution with you from time to time, and, and I'm wondering what was your what was your line? Right? Yeah. Devotees always talk about when they meet other devotees that are doing sangha. No, what's your line? What a, what's the mantra that you use sometimes? But do you remember what you were saying to people in those initial days when you were just sharing Bhagavad Gita? Yeah, we. Um, I used to try as much as possible to say Hare Krishna yeah. so that they would hear the holy names at huh. one point or another. And that's from, you, you knew the importance of the holy names from reading Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, I understood, and plus from my own practice. And you I just had an experience. I understood. This is very important, and it, it's um, purifying the consciousness. I could really understand that wow. from the practice. So I wanted to share uh, at one point when talking with somebody the holy names, and especially if they could chant also the whole mantra. Yeah. In the airports in those days, people were very busy, fast going, yeah. so you couldn't always get them to chant the whole mantra. But at least if you said Hare uh -huh. Krishna to them or, or asked them to say Hare Krishna. Yeah. And then also, we didn't really say so much about yoga, meditation, yeah. but um, we would explain through the pictures yeah. how um, we're not the body. This mm. is the changing body. Um, we are actually eternal uh, personalities. Mm. And this book will help us to understand that knowledge mm. and also will um, give us um, uh, higher consciousness, mm. things like that. And many times just find out where they were at and then mm. relate the book to them. Yeah. You know, whatever they were doing in life. This was when you were still a teacher. You hadn't moved into the temple. This is kind of what you um, were Well, actually, uh, yeah, a little bit like that before I moved in. Yeah. And then when I was doing the airport here and yeah. other venues in Denver, yeah. we would speak like that, um, more or less showing the, the, the pictures, mm. explaining the pictures, basic things like you're not the body, mm. you're an eternal soul, and uh, this is mantra, um, yoga, mm. but um, we didn't so much promote yoga. Yeah, it now it's like so popular. Yeah. But uh, yeah, anyway. It's more of a thing that people are interested in. Yeah. Um, what you, you said that you, you had just 
even from from the beginning just profound experiences with the holy name and that 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 becomes such a kind of a prominent feature of your sharing of of Srila Prabhupada's books what were some of those experiences that really uh, cemented for you um, the potency of, of what Srila Prabhupada was giving um, I had uh, some experiences in the classroom when I was teaching um, a lot of times these kids would be um, pretty rowdy even though they were young first yeah. I taught 6th grade and then uh, fourth grade. Oh, wow. So um, what I would do is, as much as possible in my mind during the class, yeah. I would chant Hare Krishna in my mind. Uh-huh. So um, when I saw how it affected the children, I could see a marked difference in, yeah. the, in the environment of the classroom just from chanting in my own mind wow. that I understood this is really, really powerful. Yeah. So powerful. And uh, so that was amazing. And then also, too, I felt like myself becoming freed from a lot of, of, you know, false ego and anxieties just from chanting and not so much um, disturbed by uh, the uh, things in life. Mm -hmm. And then also one time I had an experience where... um, I was out on a walk, and um, the neighbor's dog had come Mm. and uh, just came along, and so uh, just on his own. Mm. So anyway, there was this great big huge white owl, and, you know, they're huge enough to pick up, um, like, babies and, you know, small dogs, and he was a small dog. So I understood that the owl was like looking to the dog as prey. Yeah. And so I began to chant. And then I remembered how Prabhupada said in the Gita that the Lord's in everyone's heart. So I chanted to the Lord in the heart of the um, owl. (laughs) And and eventually the, uh, the owl just settled down. He never really went away, but he just settled down. Wow. And I understood that, you know, it's Krishna in the heart. He, yeah. could, have, he could have attacked the dog and yeah. could have attacked me. But um, that was a really amazing experience. You know, wow. I really felt uh, connected with um, Super Soul in that particular experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's these... It's these uh, I, I've, heard, I've heard it said before that that as devotees to be able to really um, collect and remember and, and uh, cement these experiences within our heart. Because I know for myself, even, you know, without, I have to maybe think about what it is that I'm really doing and why it is that I'm still chanting Hare Krishna and remembering these profound experiences where there was a uh, palpable experience of Krishna in the heart and, and just our experience with the Holy Name. Yeah, yeah, it was really palpable. Another thing that happened was um, I was with a group of uh, younger uh, teachers, Mm. and they were all young professionals in their 20s. And um, in those days, you know, everybody was um, pretty wild in a lot of ways. And so when I was uh, chanting Hare Krishna, I really just decided I don't want to do all these things anymore, you know? And, he, and if they went out and they wanted to go, you know, have a teacher's meeting somewhere and drink <laughs> or whatever, I would just have juice. Yeah. So anyway, my whole um, understanding of what to do and not to do became very, very clear. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there, there, it wasn't a, the foundation wasn't rules-based. It was inspiration-based. It was mm-hmm. that you were having a, an experience of something much higher. Yeah. And, and and then you no longer had an interest for anything that would kind of obstruct that experience of of that uh, sublime experience of the holy name. It was very special, you know, in Prabhupada throughout the Gita and the purports he would always emphasize the mm-hmm. chanting. And so um, when I saw devotees, you know, in the 60s, I think, in Central Park, because they used to have big war protests. And then especially I saw in Montreal, um, one time I was coming out of a department store in Montreal. This is when I was um, 
teaching or going to school or both. And um, some young kids were making fun of the devotees. And I remember in my mind, I was thinking, that's not right. They, they shouldn't make fun of these people. They're doing something. It's, it seems sacred. Mm. So I remember thinking, this is really good, this chanting that they're doing in mm. public. And then when I came to Denver, I really valued uh, the Harinam. Mm. And it was wonderful to uh, have Harinam and also be able to distribute books with mm. the Harinam party because you could feel the potency of the holy names and that really was a, a wonderful environment mm. for distributing books. Mm. Uh, I know Vaisheshikabhu really likes when we have that combination mm. with the prashadam, the books, the holy names. Yeah. So I really appreciated that when I had the opportunity to be with the devotees. Mm. But then uh, there was a very big push uh, for um, book distribution in the airports in those days. So there was no longer that so much for me, the environment of distributing with the Harinam, mm. but um, rather being in the airport in a pretty intense environment. But that meant that you had to be constantly internally mm. engaged, mm. you know, and uh, so that gave me a lot of um, conviction about, uh, you know, inside, in your heart, you have to be always um, chanting, mm. and as much as possible, sharing yeah. it with others. Mm. So that was that was a good um, classroom. We always used to say how the airport was our classroom mm. and was teaching us a lot of principles for mm. um, being able to become very, very strongly attached to the holy names. You would feel like this is our shelter, mm. and the books, the knowledge in the books is our shelter. Otherwise, right. how can we um, approach these people? Mm. So that was a wonderful experience, even though it was um, challenging mm. to, you know, all day long be in an airport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just the, the uh, from what I've heard, you know, devotees ex describe is just the the constant flow of people, the, the type of energy of an airport is just very passionate. A lot of things, you know, people running to their planes and doing all these different things and just being there all day. But... Uh, you found so much solitude just in uh, taking shelter of the Holy Name and deeply cultivating that relationship within the heart that I'm, I'm not alone doing this. And, you know, there's other devotees in the airport, but even Krishna's in my heart along with me. Yeah, it was really a very uh, good way to learn mm. when um, you're challenged like that and uh, so dependent because mm. people are just flowing in. And uh, some of the concourses were a lot of hardcore business people from mm. big cities. People that travel like yeah, every day, pretty and, much. Yeah, just really a challenge. And so um, it was um, it was increasing our faith mm. every day that these people that seemed externally um, perhaps totally uninterested mm. many times would be interested. And even I noticed as time went on, like... Um, maybe early 80s, a lot of the businessmen were starting to get interested in meditation mm. as early as that time. I saw that trend kind of I up. saw that coming. Um, so much high stress, you know, yeah. people were in high stress. And so a lot of them that I talked to, they were into Buddhism, their Zen Buddhism and different mm. things like that. So um, the speaking to them about uh, bhakti yoga, mantra mm. meditation, really caught many of them because mm. they were... They were looking for something yeah. to take shelter of mm. uh, because they were in high-stress life. Mm. <laughs> so, you said uh, you said the airport was one of your classrooms. What are um, what are do you, are there other lessons that you recall like being very like strongly cemented in your in your life as a devotee that you learned doing sangatan in, in such an environment? Um, yeah. Well, First, I, I could see the importance of associating with devotees because we had a little team, mm. a Sankirtan team. And so uh, in association, you could see that um, you can gather more faith and strength and, mm. and you feel um, able to do your service mm. better. And then there were times when uh, there wasn't any association. Like in the 80s, it was uh, a little bit different, mm. like in the... Mid 80s, um, maybe no association, mm. you know, just going out every day. Um, and 
others were going to other venues. So then that uh, made me realize that, well, yeah, we're still associating all the time with uh, Srila Prabhupada and, and the whole parampara, mm -hmm. and then all the instructions that we got from, you know, older Sankirtan devotees, mm -hmm. that was always there in your heart. Mm -hmm. So even if you were in situations where you were by yourself, so mm -hmm. to speak, you really felt like, okay, well, Prabhupada said he was never without his guru, mm -hmm. so just practice um, remembering that you're never really alone. Mm. And then also, too, just learning uh, to see Krishna in the heart of all the living entities, mm. then you really didn't feel alone because mm. every time you were greeting somebody, you understood there's, you know, Krishna in mm. their heart and their spirit soul and look beyond the body and their external behavior. Mm. And so then you felt um, a camaraderie. Mm. You felt like, wow, you know, I'm I'm really not um, uh, by myself. Yeah. I'm always, always with Krishna as long as I try to remember that. Mm. So that was a really good lesson, especially when I was doing um, distribution a lot by myself, so to yeah. speak. Yeah, you would buy it. You'd go to the airport by yourself because other devotees were either not there or going to other um, venues to mm -hmm. distribute. Yeah, or they'd moved or different mm. circumstances. So, mm. and others didn't want to do the airport. Yeah. So, just kept doing it because it was a good steady spot. Yeah, there's always new people there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and learning, learning the importance of association and also learning how to access that association even when maybe the proximity isn't there but to, but but through remembrance through the heart and, and through through you know shastra chakshu being able to see krishna within the heart of all living beings yeah yeah and another good lesson in the sankirtan classroom was uh, that many times like with narada muni he mm. um told um he told Actually, he, he heard from the Lord, right? Mm. He heard from the Lord that you won't see me again in this lifetime. And that's so you can become purified. Mm. And so on uh, Sankirtan, you could feel that there are many times when it would seem frustrating. Mm. A lot of people wouldn't stop. And you'd have to keep the momentum going, the meditation going. And you could see that, okay... So this is all for that same kind of mood of purification. Mm. It's not like, you know, Krishna is going to reciprocate at every person mm. like he did with um, Narada at that one point mm. where he sees the Lord and he has that reciprocation. So you may not externally feel the reciprocation from mm. these souls and from Krishna in their heart. Mm. Uh, you may feel like, you know, it's not happening, but... Mm. It's um, it's really there. The reciprocation's there, but you just have to um, go beyond the uh, externals. Like, okay, they say mm. no. So, what's beyond that negativity? Mm. What's really there? It's really Krishna's still there in their heart. That soul is there, and your meditation can become just deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm. Sometimes, if everybody's so jolly and happy, you know, and, and positive with you, sometimes you might take it for granted that mm. it's really, this is really, you know, Krishna doing this, mm. and, uh, and you have to depend on him. Mm. But I, I suppose for us, a lot of times when we're backed against the wall and challenged, that's sometimes when we take more shelter. Mm. So I could feel like in the classroom of Sankirtan, there's many uh, challenges where you have to take more and more shelter because you feel like, oh, no, you know, I don't have the reciprocation I'm looking for. Yeah. And I have to plow through all my false ego, and I have to just keep um, keep this meditation going mm. and, and um, just not be disturbed mm. by it all. You, you kind of spoke to it, um, but you, you mentioned Narada Muni, and this is actually uh, still a topic with the principle of Sangraton, but something I've been curious about recently is, is devotees may experience their time. Because one thing that I, uh, at least was the theme when we spoke to His Grace by Shesh Prabhu is that Sangraton is not just an activity, but it's a lifestyle. It's, it's, a, it's a consistent practice. It's how I show up every day. 
in, in uh, you know, taking responsibility to cultivate my internal life and my relationship with Krishna and my relationship with Srila Prabhupada and the, and the Vaishnavas, as well as, as, well as uh, allocating that overflow. Right? When, when, I've, when I've cultivated enough, then allocating that overflow and making sure that I'm not just kind of being a miser and holding it in. So it's really a lifestyle. So this principle of, of where Krishna may remove himself and all of a sudden I'm feeling very, you know, I'm feeling very dry in my spiritual life or my job is very, you know, it feels like more of a chore or, you know, I'm, I'm going out on Sangerton again or I'm, I'm out on Sangerton and it's just like it, there's, I don't feel like I'm able to connect with anyone. What, what is purifying about that, that, that Krishna will remove himself? Like he removed himself from Narada Muni. Why is that purifying? What does that do for the sadhaka? It seems to really intensify our mood, you know, that um, Krishna seems to be removed. And just like when Krishna removes himself from uh, the gopis or a different association of the devotees, and that intensifies their mood, and they're like in separation. And so that mood is very... Um, a high, heightened kind of mood. Mm. So that's what it seems to do is just make everything intense, like your desire to chant better japa, mm. because you know if you, you know you're going to start your uh, book distribution day with a weak japa, then that's going to be um, more difficult mm. to have the purity and everything that you need to to uh, do it properly. Mm. So. Um, it, for me, it just intensified everything. Oh, you have to take more shelter of Java. You have to take more shelter of Prabhupada's books. Mm. You have to um, practice Sankirtan Yoga. You know, you have to see the soul and the super soul. You just have to do it more. Mm. <laughs> In other words, you're thinking you're doing it a lot mm. one day, but then you realize the next day... You know, devotional service is not static. Mm. It's ever-increasing, and I have to intensify and increase my mood. Mm. I can't just let it stay and, and be kind of complacent. Mm. Oh, okay, so I did my quota every day, and everything's going on or whatever, but where's the mood, you know? Is it purifying? Are you intensifying? Mm. Are you um, growing and advancing? Mm. And, and are you really reaching out to these people in a in a more Krishna conscious way. Yeah. So that's very helpful I found. Yeah, yeah, it's like Krishna's mercy to, to remind us not to stagnate, to yeah. just just kinda of get stuck and satisfied that I'm just doing day in, day out, but that he he there's this refinement of our love that he's inviting by by removing himself. And in that in that kind of dryness or in that kind of space then then it allows, you know, for, for self-reflection, why am I, why am I feeling kind of complacent? Am I getting complacent and how do I increase that longing and that desire? Yeah, it's a wonderful uh, way to learn to uh, relate to the souls mm. in the proper way because Krishna, he's not looking for us to relate to them exploitively or fruitively he wants it to be with love you know mm. and so he tries to refine our mood and and help us to have loving exchanges mm. with the people mm. not just um fruit of exchanges mm. or kind of like it could even be like condescending exchanges like well mm. you know we've got this knowledge and uh, mm. why don't you guys you know get it together and realize what we've gotten. Yeah, you fallen you know? rascal. <laughs> so, so just really want to have a loving exchange with the, with the souls. Mm -hmm. I remember one year um, we were uh, doing some um, malls. It was a, a Christmas season and my health wasn't so good so I went out to a mall with a devotee to... Um, sell these paintings mm. it was really really a painful experience for me because usually mm. i would go out on the marathon and do books mm. but i was not well and i couldn't really do books 
I could sit down and, and do the paintings. Mm -hmm. And anyway, so the painting distribution was to pay for books during the year for the BBT, so I was happy about that. Mm -hmm. But um, it was really a hard thing to do, not be, you know, out there with the souls. So what, what I used to do uh, was in between some of the um, painting distribution at the table, I would go out into the uh, corridors of the mall, mm -hmm. and I had these um, prashad and peppermint candies for the holiday season, and I would go from soul to soul, just like we would go from soul to soul with books. Because yeah. I so much was hankering for that, you know, going from to one person, mm. to the next, to the next, to share, yeah. you know, Krishna consciousness. But we were so-called incognito, and I couldn't be distributing books and all this stuff. Yeah. So that was really painful. But, um, but just going out there and being able to, you know, relate to the... Christian in their heart and the souls yeah. kept me going, even though I was just giving them, you know, prasadam candy. Yeah. But uh, I used to do that just because Krishna gave all the devotees that taste, right? Mm. And they were engaging the souls. Mm. And so not to have that same um, taste was too painful. Mm. So that's why I used to go out and distribute the peppermints. Yeah. <laughs> That so that that was uh, you know I, I in in to um, I guess speak to the the history of Sangerton. Some devotees maybe um, you know they, they they saw that period of of the movement and where it was it was less focused on the books and more on paintings and other things that people were selling, and and that shifting you know or, or it's shifted where it's, it's the focus is back on on distributing books if this is what Sangerton is. But what was your um, Experience and, and and what was kind of like some of your insight? I mean, you shared you shared that your experience of Sangerton was really how, how nourishing it was to 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 be that connection point, giving Krishna to people and kind of interacting with the souls on a soul to soul basis. What was some of your insight about you know when as as the movement kind of went through a lot of shifts and 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 we stopped kind of focusing on books and and focused on other things then coming back now what are some of your insights on that whole kind of era well i could see that um there was the desire to give a lot of lakshmi to the bbt mm. And there was also a program where uh, devotees were distributing paraphernalia during the week and then they would do books on the weekend mm. and they'd have a balance. But then due to um, pressure to get their quotas, right, they would maybe just do paraphernalia on the weekend too and less mm. and less books. Mm. So um, it, uh, it was really, um, it was hard for me to see that because... Uh, I felt like Prabhupada wanted us to uh, to distribute the books, mm. and I could understand for uh, for householders in certain situations. You know, you can do um, you can do a business, mm -hmm. and you can do books with your business too. Um, but um, we we can't ever forget the main thing that uh, books are the basis, mm -hmm. right? So uh, I was just hoping that we would never. Um, completely deviate from books mm. of the basis, yeah. which, you know, Denver never completely did. Mm. And so it was a little tough um, to, um, to go through that time period, but um, because there was always some kind of book distribution going on, mm. then uh, I think Radha Govinda just saw, you know, we really... We want to do the books. Mm. You know, this is what we want to do, mm. and we just have to um, make sure we always do the books. Mm. And householders and others, they can do business if, mm. if that's needed, you know, and that's fine. But uh, as far as our main thrust, we need to have books as the basis. Yeah. So that was always um, our desire. Like one time, um, devotees were doing really big on um, record distribution. Mm -hmm. And they were doing a lot of records at um, truck stops and things like that. So um, I thought, well, that's really great because they can also do books. Oh, two. Mm. So, uh, but I asked my authorities at the time if it would be okay if I still stayed in the airport so that I could just concentrate on the book distribution. Mm. And then they said, yes, you can mm. do that. 
although they were very much wanting to promote um, getting a lot of Lakshmi for the BBT. Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, I was, that was kind of where my heart was. So I was allowed to do that. And I felt yeah. really grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. And being able to stay, stay plugged into the book distribution because that's what was giving you nourishment. Yeah. I really felt like this was what Prabhupada wanted me to do. Yeah. Uh, so I was really convinced that I need to do that to follow his instructions and then um, authorities said yeah that's okay mm. what are um, what would do any specific instances in, in all the years because you've been distributing books for how many years now well I started like in the early 70s but not a big deal <laughs> you know around 73 or something okay but, so 73 um, yeah but the main thrust was when I came here in so about 56 about 47 years distributing so books so a little less than 50 years okay yeah and and, and you you Part of your program is you try and go on books almost every day. Is that yeah, um, like on Sundays, like today, yeah. books are done at the feast. Okay. Yeah. So, so we you make sure to, you distribute books every single day. Yeah, as much as possible. Yeah. We used to go out all day um, Sunday as well, but um, yeah, that's kind of what I prefer to do. Yeah. Yeah, do something every day. I remember even when you were in the hospital a few years ago. Yeah. You're just reading books in the hospital to all the doctors. <laughs> or when I when we've gone to India, uh, and when you get on the plane, you hand you hand bags of books to all the yeah. all the stewardess and everything. Yeah. Um, what are some of your? I mean, I, I'm sure there there's unlimited. There's 47 years worth, you know. But some stories or some highlights or some experiences in books that really maybe stand out and and. Uh, kind of a hallmark your your experience of book distribution? I remember uh, one time meeting uh, a young man and he was uh, traveling through the airport and he stopped me and he said, uh, I just wanted to let you know that um, when I was 13 years old, um, you gave me a book and I thought, oh, really? That's not what we're supposed to be doing, you know. We're not supposed to be giving to young people like that. So um, he obviously looked older, like we weren't, weren't supposed to engage yeah. kids under 16 or like that. Yeah. So I said, that's amazing. I did. You were that young? And he said, yeah. But uh, he said nobody really knew I was so young. But um, he said, after I got the book, then I joined the devotees in L.A., and I used to go out on book distribution myself. And, uh, and do, we will always do, you know, thousands and thousands of books. And uh, I just wanted to let you know that uh, that's what happened. Wow. And <laughs> was he still practicing? <laughs> At the time, it didn't... He was... Yes and no. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit in and out. <laughs> yeah. So that was a pretty amazing thing to uh, meet somebody like that. And, uh, so that made me really uh, amazed. I thought we were really trying to be very careful mm. not to engage uh, anyone yeah. under that age of 16. And just the probably maybe the one person yeah. that I might have engaged in the airport yeah. at that age he's the one who who uh, became a devotee wow. <laughs> so I just thought okay that must be just you know Krishna protected uh, me yeah. that uh, I didn't get in trouble for that yeah <laughs> well are there uh because you did most of your book distribution in in the airports, correct? In those days, yeah. And are there any other are there any other kind of moments that that stand out to you? Um. Well, let's see. Uh, I really liked um, when the airports changed. Old one shut down, and the new one was up and running. Mm. Um, I did many more local venues at that time mm. because it was very time consuming to, to get out. The out there. Yeah, and uh, so I thought, well, let me try some local places. And I hadn't done campuses that much. Mm. But uh, so I thought, I'll do that. Mm. I'll go 
when I can to the campuses. And I had so many nice experiences um, meeting students who came to the temple mm. and became like congregational people. Mm. And uh, we met many nice professors and they started bringing their classes. Mm. Um, to the temple, and then we also started doing engagements in the classrooms. Mm. So uh, it was it was really nice to see that from maybe one book to one student or one professor meant uh, maybe hundreds of students. Like we met one professor, and then she had us come in for many different classes. Mm. And uh, we were allowed to distribute books in the class and prashadam, mm. um, have kirtan, and also do drama. Wow. And invite them uh, to the temple. So there were mm. hundreds of uh, students that came, you know, from that mm. experience. Oh, also in uh, Los Angeles, uh, when we were staying in L.A., there were a lot of different interesting things that happened. Mm. Um, Labanga Latika, she's a Prabhupada disciple that helped train me up in book distribution, and she uh, left her body some short time ago mm. in India, I think. Uh, and she, uh, when she was in L.A., she had uh, a strong desire to make sure books got into Russia because mm. she knew that, you know, Prabhupada was very much um, wanting mm-hmm. you know, books into these all these places, especially into into Russia. Mm-hmm. And so especially places that were difficult to get books into. Yeah, so she, that, yeah. That fighting spirit. So she told me about how she was um, meeting Russian tours at LAX airport and she was also going to the port, LA port, and she would go to the Russian boats. Like when the, the boats would uh, come into port for a short time, she would uh, go onto the boats and she would distribute books wow. to make sure that books could get into Russia. So she told me about the uh, Russian tours at um, LAX airport. Yeah. So uh, I used to um, try to do the, the tours. And then one time this one uh, tour guide, she, uh, she was bilingual. And uh, so she had a whole big uh, Russian contingent and they were pretty much isolated in those days because mm. that was when it was still the USSR. So um, they were, you know, isolated with her little group and they weren't able to move around. They had to just stay with their tour guide. So I thought, wow, why not go up to the tour guide and ask her? There's, there's always a chance, you know. So I asked her, would you uh, allow everyone to have a little gift? of, um, you know, appreciation for coming to our country and um, a little gift um, for um, uh, learning how to be happy in life and a higher consciousness. And so she thought about it and she goes, yeah. And then in Russian, she told the whole crowd um, what was available to them. And if they wanted, they could just hold out their hand. And so uh, I think I distributed a whole box of books to the tour. And, and there wasn't many Russian books, or there wasn't any this, Russian these books. These were all English books. Yeah. And uh, But my, a lot of the people knew a little English. Yeah. Not enough to maybe so much speak, but a lot of them could read. Yeah. And so that was amazing that we got to do that. And uh, also, too, at that time, uh, many of the Russian or Chinese businessmen that used to come through the international terminals, mm. they were more or less funneled into one area. Mm. And we used to try to get into the area and um, distribute as many books. We used to have books in Chinese at that time. Mm. And so uh, we were able to distribute a lot of books to these uh, business people. Wow. And these were the kind of people that I don't think um, any of the immigration would have hassled them yeah. when they went back to their countries. So we were just very much um, thrilled that, uh, you know, Krishna allowed us to, to give mm. them books to bring back into their countries, mm. which were, um, you know, really hard to get into at yeah. least in those days. Yeah, just the, the, the seeds that were planted and then now what we see going on in, in, in China and Russia. Yeah, it was really uh, an adventure. You know, you're just at LAX airport, and uh, but yet you felt like it was a special... Uh, mm. um, a service that Lord Chaitanya was allowing to be done right from, you know, that airport mm. to help with uh, the, the people uh, across, the across the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in, in, in closing, for any devotees that are um, 
uh, really interested in, in experiencing Sangerton or, or maybe that are going out in Sangerton and whatever inspiration, what, uh, what word of advice would you give or what kind of, you shared so much insight, but what, uh, is there any further encouragement that you'd like to give devotees about getting out and, and experiencing the, the, the movement that is Sangerton, that is Lord Chaitanya's Sangerton movement? Yeah, just to at least, like your Guru Maharaj says, get out there, touch the pavement. Because if they experience a little glimpse of that happiness that mm. comes from sharing Krishna consciousness, then it's something you're always looking for. It's like when uh, Krishna appears and then he disappears. Mm. You're always hankering, hankering. So if you just get out there, you do a little something, mm. you experience that, that taste... And you experience the happiness that the people have in their hearts when uh, they receive Krishna consciousness, then it drives you to do more. Mm. So just get that little higher taste, that little glimpse, mm. and, and you'll always be hankering for that. Mm. Find the higher taste and, and allow that to just carry you, because it will. That higher taste will carry us through whatever doubt the mind presents or whatever kind of difficulty or obstacle is there. Yeah, to actually have that as a tangible experience yourself mm. is is so um, profound because you can read about it or hear mm. about it, and that's great. But when you actually experience it, mm. then you want it more and mm. more. <laughs> mm. well, thank you so much, Mother Nidra. I, uh, I appreciate you taking this time this afternoon to to speak about Sangerton. Uh, this podcast is, is coming out on, on this coming up Akadashi, or I guess as listeners are hearing it on today, Akadashi. And, uh, and I feel that, that so many will be blessed by hearing from your realizations and your experiences and just the, the natural way in which Sangerton has become uh, the highest form of humanitarian work for you. And, and this was your desire to be able to connect with the souls and, and how Sangerton has really uh, facilitated you doing that in such a profound way. Uh, I know, I know myself included, and, and thousands and thousands of others here in Denver and all over the world. Uh, there's, there's, I'm sure people listening to this podcast uh, all the way across the world have probably had a transcendental snack pack from you all the way from Radha Govinda's Lotus Feet. So. Uh, thank you for living a life of, of Sangatan and, and showing by, by example the, this practice of giving and growing. Well, thanks for broadcasting so that uh, everybody can uh, connect mm. and be more and more encouraged. I really appreciate what you're doing. Mm. All glories to the service. Jane, thank you. So right. this is uh, Ananda Marari sitting with Her Grace Mother Nidra Devi uh, here in Denver, Colorado. And uh, thank you again for listening to Sankirtan On, or by giving we grow. Please subscribe, as well as send in your Sankirtan stories. We'd love to hear from you and about the experiences that you're having on a day-to-day -day basis, from week to week, or, or the experiences that you have that can, that can help encourage and inspire and uh, inform uh, devotees all around the world about how to jump in and to engage in this beautiful movement of Sankirtan given to us by Srila Prabhupada and Lord Chaitanya. So thank you very much for listening. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank you again for listening to Sankirtan On. Please feel free to subscribe and share with your friends for regular updates and inspirational stories on how, by giving, we grow. Thank you for sharing this time with us. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. 